Welcome back to the Rise of from the Struggle podcast. This is my second interview. And for this one, my wife joined me to talk about kind of the way we navigated probably poorly, very poorly, uh, the, the cycle of chronic pain on my side and then how she dealt with it from the other side. So uh, she threw me for a loop because we, she, she right off the bat kind of said a couple things that I had actually kind of forgotten about. So, and, and they were actually more powerful statements and in, in areas to, to get into than I was originally going to get into. So uh, it, we, we navigated through that and I, and I, hopefully you guys will gain more from it actually in the long run because it really kind of goes into how you know, self-care is, is vitally important to be able to help other people and how to kind of be step back as to even if you're, if you're the person on the, with the chronic pain how to look at it from the other person's perspective and give them a little bit of grace and uh, dignity too, rather than just being selfishly thinking of yourself like I did. Um, so hopefully you get something from this and uh, please uh, like, comment, subscribe, join in the conversation. And, uh, and, uh, let me know what you think. All right, everybody, I'm here with my wife, Alanda. We've been together now for about 20, Two, 20, 23 years. So uh, I think we got together in what, 2002? No, that's not right. I'm not understanding why you're having to think about this, but yes, we got together in February of 2000. 2000. Sorry, we graduated in 2002. All right. My dates are crazy. So just deal with it. Uh, so, what we want to kind of go through here is uh, establish that, again, we've been together for 23 years. And so you've been with me while I was really healthy, while I was going through, uh, I was very physically fit, I was in the sports, I was in the military and everything. And then you also went through a large chunk of time where I was going through a lot of pain and uh, my kind of uncertain medical situations. Uh, some of them became certain and we had to do surgeries and a lot of other different things, but there was a long period of, you know, what, 13 years where we had no idea what was going on with me. And I kept having worse and worse pain and neurological issues and everything. So really just want to establish from the caregivers or the, the uh, support side uh, what you guys deal with. So uh, because I know sometimes, especially as a person who's in pain, it's easy to only think about your pain and your agony, but oftentimes it's overlooked what you guys have to go through at the same time. So I just wanna kind of get your perspective on what you kind of had to deal with also and where your mindset was. So what do you, do you wanna say anything? Before we yeah, um, so like you said, I, I have been with you through the best of times and the worst of times. Um, you know, for the last, like you said, 13 years, it's been, it's been a struggle and it's definitely taken its toll on us um, in our relationship and with the way that we raise the kids and, you know, the different aspects in relationships there as well. Um, it's hard that that's the thing, um, when you have somebody who's going through something and you can't fix it and you can't, you know, you can't go in and tell them this is what's wrong, like, and that you're going to be fine and you watch them struggle, you get frustrated, um, for lack of a better word, like you're frustrated for them at first, at first you're scared and you're sad. And then when time goes on, you just get more and more frustrated and you feel like you got robbed a little bit. And then you feel 
selfish and greedy because you're feeling like a life that you had envisioned for the two of you is not what you thought it was going to be and you feel bad. So there's just a lot of guilt and frustration and stress that comes along with dealing with these kind of things. And it's hard to really say them to the person that's in the pain because they're already in pain and you don't want to sound like a lack of a better world, like a selfish asshole by saying, Hey, you know, this really sucks for me too. You know, I'm watching you deal with this and having to change a lot of things, you know, and a, a future and a vision. And, you know, you feel like you, that future you and envision for yourself and your spouse and the life you thought you were going to have together, it, it almost dies. And you go through um like a mourning period for that. And then you feel, like I said, like an asshole because this person actually is hurting and you're, you're hurting too, but you're hurting in a different way, I think is the best way to describe it. It's a hurt that really nobody can take care of because you can't take care of the one thing that you want to take care of, which is the person that's hurting themselves. And you just feel selfish for feeling that way. So that guilt and that frustration kind of just stacks up. Yeah. So guilt that you can't help them. Guilt that you can't help them, but also <clears throat> guilt that you're mad at them a little bit for you get mad about not being able to go and for longer to do the things that you thought you were going to be able to do or because there was a point there if you remember when we would try to go and do things as a family and you couldn't walk or you couldn't you know be out for as long and it was like we could only go for a little bit of time when it was supposed to like an all day we can only go for like an hour do you remember that where it was like it was like christmas we went to the ice the ice palace and we couldn't go for the whole time and look around at the shops because you couldn't do it anymore And that was just really, you know, you feel like an ass because you're mad that this person can't continue to go, but it's not their fault, but you're still mad because you're like, well, I had this whole fun thing planned and now it's, we can't do it. You know what I mean? So that guilt too, that guilt of being like, why am I angry with this person? They can't help it. But a part of you does get mad because you get frustrated with the situation, you know? Yeah. And I think the frustrations on both sides and the fact that with us, the two at that point, we weren't communicating very well um, in terms of like, I guess, how each of us independently felt. And like you said, it's kind of both sides get selfish because like, well, why, why can't you just understand how much pain I'm in? Like, you should suffer too almost, you know, and then like, you're probably thinking the same thing. Like, why can't you just deal with it? For a little longer, you know? like, yeah you, you know what's going on so long just move past it but it's like, right yeah um, and it was just um it was like at some points like when you were having a really rough patch it would be like and it's not it was almost all the time but then it was started to happen only like at like three o'clock in the morning and I am somebody who likes my sleep so when you would wake me up because you were having an issue and I would try to be there for you. But half of my brain is like, I'm, I'm really tired. I need to be asleep right now, you know? So I would just kind of be half-assed there. And then, you know, you would sometimes get upset about that. Like, why couldn't you be there for me? And it's like, I mentally, I just couldn't. There just came a point where mentally I was not in a good place. And I was mourning um, a lot of things. And I just feel like I got overwhelmed and, 
I wasn't able to fully be there and be present for you because I didn't even have enough left in the tank for me at that point, you know? I mean, let's, let's just dive into that then. So with that being said, what was your self-care habits or did you have any? And do you think that played a large part of, of, I guess, how you handled it and how you dealt with it or didn't deal with it? Can I plead the fifth or no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't have any self-care at all. It was just wake up and make sure that you're okay. Make sure the kids are okay. And I just put myself completely, completely on the back burner. And by okay, like, I know there was a point in time, like, uh, just for everybody's like sake, but this is like, you were thinking, okay with me. It's like, am I actually alive? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is he is he live? Is he, is, is this time the time you're going to die when we were at the hospital? Cause nobody could figure it out. And then how, you know, how to keep the kids so that they weren't constantly at hospitals or constantly questioning or worried as well. Um, just kind of surviving is what I would call it. I was just, I went into almost a survival mode of just, I do not handle, um, things like that. Well, like I'm still like, yeah, like I still, I still haven't fully handled the death of my own dad. So I, I tend to shy away from facing it. Rather, I just kind of tuck away my own feelings and shove them down and then make sure that everybody else is good. And that's not a way to be at all. And it, it does, it definitely takes a toll mentally. And, uh, you know, I started to notice that a lot, like I was losing losing my ability to stay sharp and everything because I wasn't sleeping because of anxiety and wondering what was going to happen. You know, like there was a point in 2020 where you were pretty much bedridden and it was scary. And you would say things like, I think I'm dying and things like that. And it was, it was scary, you know, to think of that, 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 that could happen, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm in, in, in all honesty, I actually probably was, you know, because, uh, and that's the scary part, but that's for another time. Um, so just for reference too, so because people don't know, it's like you said, you haven't dealt with the death of your dad even. That was 17 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Seven, a little bit, a little bit longer, but, um, so yeah, that, so you're saying you'd had no self-care habits because you just went into survival mode and never really like dealt or, you know, had a routine to where you could clear your mind of what was going on. And we never really, I think maybe some of that too. And because we're in a place where we don't really have family around us at all. And we had some friends, um, but at that point we were not necessarily near the people we were the closest with. So you didn't really have any like really good friends nearby. Like I know our uh, Laura came over a couple of times, our neighbor, and yeah. kind of hung out with me while you went and did a couple of things when I was having a real bad time. Yeah, um, Dana. Dana would help too. The neighbors, yeah. you know, Sarah, Sarah Royer. But... Yeah, and she came over a lot too. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to go back to what you were talking about with the whole uh, not being out for a long time too, I actually kind of forgotten about that. Um, I guess how did you 
how did you navigate that internally, I guess, or or did you? Um, like, I, I just, get frustrated, honestly, but, but like, how honestly, how bad did that really? Like, honestly, it just made me. It made me really sad, and it actually increased my anxiety because I could not, I could not plan anything for us. I, it it literally was this horrid cycle of guilt. I'm an asshole because I feel this way. And then anxiety, it was like just this radical circle of that, like guilt that we can't go and do anything fun. Or if I plan anything fun and you can't attend, then I'm, you know, then it goes into, well, you're an asshole because you plan something he can't attend. And then it goes into anxiety of, well, if he does attend, is he going to, is it going to end up ruining the day because we can't do the event or is it going to make him worse? So it was just like this repetitive cycle of, that that I was dealing with on a regular basis and then just the anxiety alone of just wondering if, if I was going to get a call because like I said for a while there I was getting calls at work where you were getting taken by ambulance to the hospital and you know like am I going to get a call am I going to need to go to the hospital today what you know what's going to happen next or are they going to figure this out you know um okay. so it was really just living in a state of you know panic a lot of the time you know, and wondering what, what's going to happen next, you know? And I'm, I, like I said, I just shoved the feelings down. So I didn't think anything about self-care or anything. I was just thinking about, you know, what's wrong with me that I'm upset about this and in a bad way, like not upset, not only upset because I was worried about you, but upset. Like, why, why is this happening? Like, why can't we just live our lives and have fun, you know? Um, and it, yeah, I probably sound well, like a huge asshole right now, but yeah. No, and that, but I mean, that's the thing though. This is, this is why I wanted to, to do this is because like, this is something that so many people go through, you know, and this is not ever talked about. And then because it's not talked about, nobody knows how to deal with it or help somebody else deal with it, you know? So, because to your point there, you can't plan anything, but that also like, like you had mentioned before uh, in your kind of, your opening statements is that this life that we kind of had planned out, so so to speak, like we had anticipated traveling and doing all this other stuff and going to, you know, we got a passport at, at one point and we said we were planning on trying to do some foreign trips. And then as soon as we did that, things like really tanked for me. And then it's like, why well, I, I can't even, we couldn't even travel back to Illinois to, to go see family, let alone try to fly to Europe and walk around and do anything. So it was, you know, I think that's an important piece that people just don't think about is that not only are you dealing with the stress of the situation, but like you said, the the future plans that you had are completely eradicated at that point. Yeah, and you're you're a grieving the loss of a life that you thought you were going to have. That you okay it's not, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And you have to come to that acceptance and it's just, it's really hard. Cause I mean, 13 years, we're only, I'm not, I'm going to disclose my age, but we're only 39. You know what I mean? So just the fact of the matter is, uh, it was, it was a lot for us to deal with in such a small amount of time at such a young age, you know? Yeah. And really at the Speak of when we're supposed to be the healthiest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when the rapidly. and the kids were what five and five and two, you know, Three. it just yeah, 
for 13 years dealing with it, it's, it's a lot. And that's the other thing. Like I felt like I, I had to shoulder a lot of the parenting stuff in a way, because when somebody's in pain, you're more, you know, that person's more irritable and they can get more angry quicker, you know, and to a certain extent I shielded too much, you know, so. What do you mean by that? Well, like just, I would just be on edge, like constantly, constantly worrying that something, cause one day maybe that would bother you cause you were in pain, but the next it wouldn't. But I was always constantly on edge, like wondering if that was going to bother you and trying not to disturb you, you know what I mean? And make sure the kids kept it down. And it was just stuff like that, that it just added up. It was just a lot. So I mean, know? I was going to say, so you said shielding, but you you meant shielding the kids. So like you didn't like, yeah. like you try to protect the kids almost too much. Yeah. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, and as we know that later on, we figured out that really hurt the relationship for me, especially Caden, um, our son, which we've navigated, right? I mean, but that was through a lot of kind of like fears and anger and rage and fighting and, and like just honest communication later on but um, that that is something that I think might be important you know too to to know is that you know sometimes you can't necessarily protect the kids from it either like they have to kind of go through it and see it and you know help them learn how to to navigate it too rather than you know like like I said shielding and stuff like that um you know, things we learn later on. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's why we've been together for so long when we were t- told from the beginning that we would never make it because we got married too young and all that stuff. So we just, you know, we just try to. Well, I'm the only one that remembers when we got together. So I, <laughs> I'm winning right now. <laughs> that's true. No, I remember. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So I was going to. What roles or responsibilities did you believe that you had then with in terms of my health or the family or I felt like I was implicitly or or implied? I I feel like to a certain extent when you were going through your stuff that I honestly I felt like instead of being the mother of two, I felt like I was a mother of three. Um, because I had to take care of you and them. And I felt alone a lot of the time because I just felt like if I, if everybody was taken care of, then it was okay. But typically every, somebody needed something, you know what I mean? So it was just, it was kind of isolating and lonely because, you know, you just, you see, like you see other families and couples and our age that were actually older than us and they're able to do all these things, but you know, you were unable to, and it wasn't, you know, your fault. You just literally could not, you were bedridden for a little bit. And it was just, it was a lot. It felt like a lot of pressure. And like I said, it was just a lot. And I just felt very isolated and alone because nobody really could understand what we were going through. And I couldn't really talk to you about how I was feeling. Cause like I said, I felt like an ass for feeling some of the things I was feeling and you were in so much pain at sometimes you just kind of wouldn't remember conversations. So it was just, it was lonely and isolating to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, 
also people he's never heard a lot of these things so if he looks like flustered or sounds that way it's because i'm in a different room <laughs> and he's never heard this stuff i've heard some of it but it's been a while since we've kind of really dug into it, so it kind of it hard to kind of know sometimes what direction to take that then because there's a lot to unpack there then um and it's trying to pick a direction i guess so um what what was your kind of thought process then during this thing uh during this or did you even have one um that that you had on a on a daily basis other than just you know feeling like you're a mother a single mother of three like was there any other thought process of like um um i guess the, well i would you know like the whole victimhood or you know like did you did you ever have a feeling that maybe like I was, you know, just faking it or not faking or whatever, you know, like um, anything like that. Like not that. Yeah, you know. I, sometimes I, I did. <laughs> I, I know that's not right, but I know sometimes I was like, I would feel like, oh, he just wants attention. So let me just take care of him again. And, and it got really, got really frustrating um, because it was hard to tell, especially here's the thing. We would go, we went to so many hospitals and we went to so many, I mean, honestly, we probably have a tab in an emergency room somewhere, but we would go and they would say the same thing. Like, you're fine. You're good. There's nothing wrong. We don't find anything. And this is before we figured everything out. And I just remember being like, so is he like faking it then? Like what's going on? Like, what am I not doing for him as a wife that makes him think he needs to get my attention in this way? that did cross my mind. Um, but you know, I like detective shows and things like that. So I started researching stuff too. Like I would just be on my computer at night researching different like symptoms that you would be having or different outlets to try to find something, you know, I mean, I made you watch that show on Netflix. What is it? That medical one where they have uh, medical like source. Yeah. Like sourcing and all of that stuff to see if like, maybe I even wrote to that show to ask if you could go on there. <laughs> Like maybe they can figure it out, you know? Um, but I think, I mean, I started to get angry, but I wasn't really getting as angry at you as I was at the doctors. I remember specifically sitting in that neurologist neurosurgeon came in and he was like 30 minutes late for our appointment, refused to even look at the x-rays. He looked at you and he looked at me and he said, did you serve in the military? And you said, yes. And he goes, well, it's PTSD. There's nothing wrong with you. And I just remember feeling this just rage where I just wanted to say some really not nice things to him and just let him know how horrible of a person he was. Like, it just, it felt like that's what we were getting all the time. And it was just really frustrating. And it's hard when you see like somebody you love and that's hurting to see them suffering like that and to see them just continuously get told there's nothing wrong with you, you know, and then a part of you starts to think, well, what if there, it is just psychological? Maybe if that, that'll help. But I don't know. I just would get mad most of the time and then try to find the answer, but there was never a solution, you know? Yeah. You can tell me if I'm getting off topic or if I'm talking too much, you know that, right? No, I mean, it's your show, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, it is your show. I'm well, a guest speaker, so. <laughs> yeah, but I want you talking. All right. So then with this knowledge then, all right. So, I mean, again, we can unpack this for 
days, weeks, months, even probably if uh, people probably listen to uh, Nobody'd stick with us for that long. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Uh, so <laughs> how, would, how would you, knowing what we know now, right? Like obviously hindsight's always 2020. Yeah. How would you change things and how would you change response, your responses to different things um, in terms of just like either how you reacted with me or the kids or um, like yourself, actually more probably more importantly with yourself. Um, so that's tricky because I didn't do anything right. So, and I'm still working on that. Like I still struggle to do that anything really for me, but, um, I would say what I would do differently is like any parent will say, like, have more patience with your kids because at the end of the day, they were little at the time. And I would run out of patience because I had dealt with, you know, so much already that day with questioning things about you and then with you even it's easy to say it now like have more patience but I know I remember in that moment telling myself that and just being really frustrated so I think what would have helped everything involved is if I would have had a better mindset in the sense of not thought self-care was selfish which I feel like was just kind of what I always believed like self-care selfish you should be taking care of others you should be looking out for others and so I never really put much thought into self-care. But if I would have back then and I would have said, you know, I need a minute, I, I need to go take some time for me. Um, I think I would have been more present and more patient and less guilt ridden with feeling like an ass, you know, for being angry or frustrated because those are all emotions that are normal and that people are going to feel, but I didn't want to feel them because they made me feel bad about who I was as a person. Like, what did that say about me? You know? Yeah. And I think that's actually a, a very important thing is to realize it. And I think I had the same kind of thought too, but doing these programs and talking with, you know, uh, even Lauren and uh, Lauren Johnson and the stuff with Brian Kane and the heroic program, all that stuff talks about is you can't show up for somebody else if you don't show up for yourself first. So if you don't take care of yourself, like it's not, you know, it's really hard then to continuously show up for other people. So I, I think that's important right there that that maybe that statement you made is that self-care is not selfish. It's the it's the most important thing you can do to be able to help somebody else. Right. And again, it's hindsight's twenty twenty right now that we know. But um that's what we that's what we're here to help other people not not have to go through the pain and struggle that we went through. Um Yeah, I remember reading an article when you were going through a lot of your stuff that it basically said when with chronic, with a chronic pain spouse, essentially, it just basically said like, and I just remember reading it and thinking, wow, that's really, that's messed up. Like that seems really rude, but it was like, do something for yourself. Like go out and go to a movie. You want to go to the movies, go to the movies. You want to go out to dinner, go out to dinner. You don't have to include your spouse. You can go and do what you want to do because ultimately you still have a life to live too. You can't just be almost paralyzed with that person. And I always thought that sounded so awful. And I was like, oh my God, like what an ass. And then in reality, that person probably was better off than me because they weren't limiting themselves. They were going out and doing what they wanted to do, but they were also able to then be present for their spouse. So yeah, if anybody takes anything away from this, that would be what I would say. Like do make time for you because you're just as important as everybody else. Yeah. And ultimately that's going to help you help them more right yeah 
you know, and it's funny, and from from the person on the other side of that, the one who's going through the pain, I know there would be times where I would say this stuff to you, like you need to go do something for yourself. But at the same time, when you would, I had the like impulse to constantly beg, "What well, you're taking too long? When are you coming back?" <laughs> yeah, well, that that would happen. Yeah, and that yeah. was the other thing. Like, I'd be afraid to leave because I knew I was going to be called. You know, um, but even then, if it was a bad day for you, and I would even say, "Oh, I might." go and do this or whatever, you would be like, well, I can't do that too. And that would always make me feel so bad. So I was like, okay, well, and I won't do it. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. So I, I guess with that being said, just, I guess the, the advice there would be is, you know, maybe in those moments we should have found somebody else to come help me or whatever, you know, but, or like, you know, find coverage, so to speak, you know, find, find that support system who can help out and, and give you those moments too. And I wish we would have done that now, looking back, obviously, is even for me, like being able to like kind of step back and knowing, hey, maybe we should be way we could have leaned on Laura a little bit more or Dana or, uh, you know, Sarah. even had like Sarah or anybody else, you know, some of my friends, see if they would have came over, um, even though they look farther away, it's like, hey, can you come hang out for a couple hours while my wife goes take care of herself, you know, like just found somebody else to, you know, kind of be that person for that for me on that side so that I could have helped you out in that aspect too because I, I mean it's not that I didn't necessarily know but being the person that's in that chronic pain like is that it's kind of it's you become it's, focused on just yeah, that it's, it's you don't think about it strictly focus on yourself yeah so it's it's and not that that's right by any stretch of the imagination but it's kind of what happens you know so it's I, I, you know and I wish I would have found these skills out much sooner so that I could yeah help myself yeah out. I mean everybody has their pity party days right yeah <laughs> that's true so uh so I guess we kind of better cover this but like what would what advice would you give both parties like the, the chronic pain person and the, the support system or the um, caregiver to so I would say improve? the chronic pain person, I'd say, suck it up, buttercup. No, I'm just kidding. I would say, um, you know, try, try to see past your pain a little bit and see where maybe your partner might be struggling as well. And try to empathize with the fact that they've lost something as well. They may not be in physical pain, but they are in mental pain or emotional pain, you know, from that loss. And then for the party that is me where we're the caretaker, I would say just really make the time for yourself so that you can be present for the person that's in pain so that you're not resentful and angry and frustrated with them when they do need you, because that, that would happen. The more frequent things would happen. It would be more frustrating and I would have more anger and just be irritable about the littlest things. Um, because I didn't know what my outlet should be, right. I didn't have an outlet. So, you know, go to one of those rooms where you smash the crap out of stuff and, you know, go do something. Even if you take a baseball bat outside and hit a tree, do something that helps relieve that tension as it's building up so that you don't implode it on the wrong people, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's probably plenty for people to digest for now and i can like say i don't know i think people love my voice and want to hear me talk more so <laughs> no, i do i love your voice yeah 
whatever you lose her. <laughs> all right. All right, so, all right, we'll let, we'll kind of wrap this up now, but, you know, I really appreciate oh. you taking the time to do this. And I think, you know, I, I think this is going to be really helpful for people to kind of see it from the other side too, not just from one angle, but, you know, how to kind of use these skills, these, these uh, you know, mindset tricks and, and things to overcome both angles of it, but also just to give the awareness to the, the side of the person who's giving that support and, and who is often overlooked in this aspect, you know, and I know, and I 100% know that in my situation, I didn't pay enough attention to that. And that is one thing that I look back on and, and just think, wow, I mean, I wish I would have known this too from your side so that I could have also done something to help out. So hopefully yep. this uh, helps people uh, navigate this a little bit better and a little bit uh, with a little bit more um, grace grace than we did you know and not have to learn the hard lessons we did uh, and you know hopefully helps them stay together longer so really appreciate the time and uh, thank you love you love you too